Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Man, we are so glad that you are here. I'll tell you what, give somebody a a what's up nod next to you. Tell them, hey, this is the last time you're going to see them this year at church. So say what's up and then grab your seat. Hey, online family, we want to say welcome to you guys. Thank you for being with us. We are so grateful that you choose to spend your Sunday morning, some of you afternoon, with us, um, whether you're watching live or, or again here in a little bit. We want you to know that uh, it is because the birth of Christ that we have a, an eternal hope, and that stretches past the time frame that we're watching, by the way. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, there are people who watch with us each week online after the service because uh, they, they just, that's when it best fits their schedule, and praise God that they do that. Um, but man, I, I am excited. Hey, real quick, uh, we do want to take up an offering, and I'll tell you why. Um, giving back is one of the best ways that we can show our gratitude for what God has done in and through our lives. So um, I'm going to go ahead and call uh, Kevin up real quick. Now, guys, don't get so distracted by the coffee that we don't pay attention to what is going on in here. Uh, The the coffee is important, and we wanted it to be here to build community and and enjoy Christmas. Um, But we believe that giving is an incredible part of our walk with the Lord. Now, some of you are going to choose to give in person. Some of you are going to choose to give online, and that's great. You can do that at Legacy Church dot online slash give. I even see some people taking out phones right now, so that's great. Let me pray over this. Father, thank you for the offering. Thank you for the hearts that are giving, for the people who are being obedient to your word. I pray that you would bless them and go before this offering. Use it to expand your kingdom, we pray, and it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, while they are taking up the offering, I'd love it if you would turn with me or scroll with me, whatever you choose today, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we talked last week about uh, miracles, the many miracles, the many, many miracles. Did anybody get something from that last week? Did it help you? Okay, good, good. Because all week this week, I was finding myself counting my many, 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 many miracles. Um, And I'll be real with you, I I got even a little bit emotional as I was praying over Levi a couple of times this week because I was thanking God for the mini miracle that he is to us. Um, and I just can't imagine the heart of our father when we, when we talk to him, he gets excited. And so as choked up as I can get praying over my son, I just imagine how like excited God gets to be with us. Did you know that God is excited to be with us? Now, hang on, hang on, guys. This, this is Christmas, all right? This is a big deal. You got to talk back to me today, all right? We can't just be quiet. Did you know that God is excited to be with us? Do you know how I know that? You, you want to know? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Xavier. That's what's up. I know because, well, he came. He proved it already. He proved that he wanted to be with us, so he came to be with us. Isn't that I guess it just hit me different this year. That like, I love being with my kid. I love being at home as a family. Last night we were watching a Christmas movie and putting together a puzzle. And granted, Levi was in bed, but it was still fun to be like together, you know? It's just fun knowing even Levi's in the other room. Like being together, there's something about being in the same presence as your family. 
And so I want to read you a, a story. Well, I say read a story. I'm sick and tired of the world kind of taking charge over what we call Scripture. Um, and so last week I told you that, you know, they, they watered down miracles to notable events um, on Google. That when you ask Google how many miracles did Jesus do, they say seven not the volumes and volumes and volumes that could fill up the entire earth is what scripture says. And then they say by the end of this one article that it is not just uh, miracles, they were notable events. And so this is not a story, this is history. This is what really actually happened. And this is, this is the, the introduction, the first time we get to experience the Christ. So Luke chapter 2, if you're, if you're there, give me a what, what? All right, if you need another second, say hold up. All right. Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. It's all right. You'll catch up. Here we go. Luke chapter 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Just a a side note. Uh, Anybody want to learn the words or the, the names of people in this book, I'll give you like 10 bucks if you can learn them all and teach them to me. Um, I would love to know all the pronunciations. Anyway, okay. Uh, so everyone went to be registered, each in his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. Man, there's got to be a little bit of a a skip over part of this story. Because it says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then it skips to, then she gave birth. I don't know about anybody, any parents in here, but did birth go that smoothly for you guys? (laughs) Because uh, that's not how it went in in our house, Uh, our hospital, sorry. It didn't happen at home. Uh, It just cracks me up to see how much of the stories that we read get skipped over. And I get it. It, it, We don't need to go into graphic detail, but there is pain involved in this story that got skipped over. There is uh, frustration, no doubt, that got skipped over in, in that one verse that we just read. But it says, he wrapped, she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Hey, you're in this story. I don't think it's, it's appropriate all the time to read yourself into Scripture, but when it says all people, that was not limited to just the people who were alive at that point. That's, that's you and me, okay? Uh, he said, Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloths laying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people who he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to the heavens, 
The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. By the way, there you are again. What they heard was written down so that all who heard it would be amazed. Uh, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which we have just told you. My sermon this morning is called, Your Miracle is on the Way. Jesus, I pray that you would use this, um, use this word to, to bring focus to the season for us. God, use it to challenge hearts and to change trajectories of lives. We give you the honor and the praise. Amen. Amen. Um, one of the little things that I was studying this week, uh, I've never asked myself this, but did you know that the book of Luke was written by a guy named Luke? Real entry-level stuff here, people. I'm going to keep it nice and low to the ground for you today, okay? Low and slow, right over the plate. It was written by a guy named Luke. Luke's not mentioned in this story anywhere. So my question this week was, where, where did he hear this story? And I think one of my favorite things, and it just touched my heart when I was studying it, was... Um, Verse 19, it says, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. It is believed that Luke had a very intimate conversation with Mary later. That's where he heard this story. So he sat down with her, and because she pondered things, because she took time to kind of like remember them hardcore, uh, she was able to relay this, this story. And so we're reading the story from an outsider's perspective of an insider's position. Does that make sense? So this is Luke writing about Mary's experience at childbirth. Now, at the very beginning, there are a couple of verses, and this is really where I kind of want to focus today. Um, It says in verse 3 and 4, So everyone went uh, to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house in the line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, okay? So let me just tell you something. I am absolutely terrible at directions. I can get lost in my own house. I have gotten lost in my own apartment complex everywhere I've lived. Not just one, every apartment complex I've ever lived in, I've got lost because I'm that bad with directions. Now, this week... um, I, I drove to my parents' house, and there was terrible traffic on the five. That's just life, I guess, now. COVID's over, <laughs> and everybody's like, let's get back on the roads and just party here for a while. And so I'm driving Levi, and it, it's about an eight-mile drive, okay? It took me 55 minutes to go eight miles on the five. And so I get to the house, and I'm, I'm kind of complaining because I'm, I'm really already tired and, and frustrated, and I don't... I don't want to get back in the car and go drive more. And my dad, bless my dad's heart, he can tell anybody where to go anywhere on earth. And and he's right. Just generally speaking, he's right. So he goes, well, hey, why don't you take side streets? And I said, dad, 
I, I can't do that. He goes, well, you've got Siri. Have her take you. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If I know a way, I'm sticking to that way. Even if that way takes me 55 minutes. Okay? That's just how I roll. Because, you know why? Because I can end up in L.A. very quickly if I don't go the way that I know. And I love Siri. I'm super grateful for Siri. But Siri sometimes leads me astray. She's kind of a sucker like that. And so I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be relegated to everything my phone says, okay? I'm kind of tired of my phone listening to me anyway. That's a different conversation for another time. So I guess what I'm saying is there are some instructions in here that uh, it's, it's just a lot to take in. So it says they started in Nazareth, and then they traveled to Bethlehem. But I kind of alluded to it last week. There are some other verses in Scripture that actually let us know that there were a couple of different locations mentioned or needed in this story. So uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 4 says, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he went to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth. What does this have to do with the Christmas story, Pastor Kyle? Well... It's interesting that in order for the miracle to be revealed, that being Jesus' birth, in order for that to happen, Joseph couldn't stay where he was. Why is that interesting? Because there were prophecies. And here's where it, here's where it really gets crazy. There were hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah. And don't forget, Jesus had to check each one of them off. If he missed one, he was not the Messiah. If he missed half of one, he was not the Messiah. And it said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, where David was from. So Joseph had to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But then it also said later that Jesus would be known as a Nazarene. Nazareth. So Joseph was a Nazarene, but had to be in Bethlehem to give birth so that the Savior could be born, and then he had to go back to Nazareth so that Jesus could be known as Jesus the Nazarene. Okay? Again, you're only talking about 90-ish miles between these two places. Okay? So to put it in perspective, that's from here to the border. Okay? San Diego. They've got to travel that. I told you guys last week, she did it on, on donkey back. No chance that's happening now. I don't want to drive from here to the border today. I'll just stay home. Thank you. Like, I, I love that we can do things online now. I'll register from home. Thank you. But here's the gig. If that was to happen, Jesus wouldn't have been born in Bethlehem. It was because of Mary putting herself at an inconvenience that she could help fulfill a prophecy for Jesus. So she rode 90 miles to the point where she could have the baby in the right place, and then she had to go back. Now, see, I told you, if I know a way, I'm going that way, even if that way is the long way, okay? So you would think that they would go from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Nazareth, Right? If this is home, they're going to go register. He's born here. He's got to be known as a Nazarene. Well, we got to go to Nazareth. I guess here's what I'm saying. Your miracle is never going to happen the way you think it will or where you think it will or when you think it will. 
Because believe me, I don't think that if, if Mary could have chosen, like she didn't choose to, to be the mother of Jesus, that was gifted to her. But I think if she could have chosen, she said, hey, why don't we speed this process up just a little so I can have the baby before we travel? Better yet, can you wait a year so that I can travel and then come back home and I can just nest here and we can be cool here? So there was some inconvenience here. But you would think that the quickest way is just to go back, but that's not what happened. When they were in Bethlehem, angels came. It is crazy to see how much angels talked in this story. Like, I've never seen another story in Scripture where angels talk more to individuals or to groups of people. Okay, so you had Mary talking to, or you had angels talking to Elizabeth, you had angels talking to uh, uh, Zechariah, angels talking to Mary, angels talking to Joseph, angels talking to shepherds, angels talking to Magi. Like, you guys, this is adding up a little bit. You have angels then come back to Joseph and say, Herod wants to kill your son, take him to Egypt. Because another one of these prophecies that he had to fulfill was that he would come out of Egypt from Nazareth born in Bethlehem in Egypt. He's got to come out of Egypt. All of these things had to take place. And as I looked at this, this map and, and realized like, this, I'm not good with directions, but this is not the easiest way to get back to where we were going. This is not the, the fastest way back home. Matthew chapter 2, 13 through 15 says this. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until you return, uh, until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they, started, they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Then Matthew chapter 2, verse uh, 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Here we go again. Joseph has a lot of dreams and he'll talk to a lot of angels. He said, when Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family, first of all, look, there goes another dream. Did you catch it? He keeps having these dreams, these, these updates that, that God is doing to his maps program, saying, hey, you can't go home yet. I need you to go here. I need you to go here. Um, this fulfilled what the prophet said. He will be called a Nazarene. So I want to show you something. Is the map up here? Okay, cool. For those of you who can't see it, um, this, is, this is Nazareth right here. Okay, this is where Joseph is from. This right here is Bethlehem. This is where Jesus was born. So you got this 90-mile trek here, okay? But then you'll see that, well, this says to Egypt. Like, Egypt is this way, okay? <laughs> Couldn't fit everything on the same map, all right? So really, <laughs> get it together, man. <laughs> so he had to travel from here all the way over. Now, we've crossed about 90 miles here. Okay, 
So we're now at about 180 miles. What's really crazy is this, this map, if it was to go down to where he finally ended up at scale, is here. So this is where they lived for a couple of years until it was safe, like Herod had to die and then go home. But then they had to come back. Now, this map is very cool because they, the red line now is their trail back. So instead of going back to Bethlehem, like I would have done, because it's the way we came. Again, I, I'll take the road, I know. This one goes all the way back up to Nazareth. If your destination was here the whole time, where would you go? Would you stay there? What if you knew that your child had to be born in Bethlehem? Are you willing to drive the 90 miles? Okay, so you can go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Then where are you going to go? Back. You go back home. 180-mile round trip. That's the easiest way. But I guess what I'm saying is the, the thing that jumped out at me this year on the Christmas story is your miracle is on the way. Your miracle is not about the destination. Your miracle is about the journey. The miracle happened not where Mary wanted it to, not where Joseph thought it would be the most convenient, but where it had to happen. And that was on the way to somewhere. Your miracle is on the way. And I guess what I'm saying is there are so many times in, in my own life, and I know just talking and living with you guys, we expect things to be better there. You know what I mean? Like the next place, the next job, the next house, the next friend group, whatever there is. We expect the miracle to be there. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I don't want to do it there. I want to do it here. You just can't stay here. I want to get you there, but you've got to do it with me. You've got to do it with my spirit. And that's why he sent his son the way he did. I, I've just got to believe that this was not the ideal location for Mary to put her son. This is the, the beautified version, okay? For those of you who don't know, it was a trough that she put him in. That means that this would have been covered in slop. That the, the stuff that the pigs and the cows and whatever other animals they had would eat out of this. And I don't know about you, but I have never seen a cow eat politely. Amen. So Mary is in what some believe to be a cave and she's giving birth, which is awkward enough. She's on a stone floor, but then she has to place her son in the only thing capable of taking her weight so that she can get a little bit of rest. And that's in a manger. There's no chance I was going to put Levi as a newborn in a manger. No chance. But you know what? It turned out pretty good, didn't it? Because the miracle wasn't the location. The miracle was the presence. The miracle was on the way. It wasn't the destination. It was the location of where they were. It's about the journey. Then I love this part. It says, uh, the glory of the Lord. We're talking about the shepherds. Did you know that the shepherds were called from another place outside the city? So you, they were outside the city of Bethlehem. And, and for those of you who don't know, shepherds were not like the cool people in the, in the society, okay? Shepherds, by nature of their job, were dirty, 
which meant that they were ceremonially unclean. So they had to deal with things that really nobody else wanted to deal with. And then I started asking myself, even last week I was talking to you about this, like, why were they outside at night? Well, turns out there's an answer for that. (laughs) They were outside at night because they were watching the flocks, since everybody was coming to their hometown, they were watching the flocks that would eventually be the sacrifices in the temple. That's pretty cool. That they left the flock of sacrifices to go see the ultimate sacrifice. That they were called out of the darkness into a cave to see the light of the world. But this is what really got me. It says uh, that the glory of the Lord shone all around them. The glory of the Lord. This is actually used multiple times in Scripture. Did you know that? The glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord stood. The glory of the Lord surrounded them. In fact, the same kind of language was used in Exodus. Let's see here. Exodus chapter 3. Let me see if I can turn here real quick. Exodus chapter 3. Here we go. Verse... No, 13, I'm sorry, it's 13, not 3. Verse 21, 13, 21. Here we go. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and a pillar of fire to give them light at night so they could travel by day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. Did you know that that's the same glory of the Lord that was used to show himself to the shepherds? So I'm sure that when the shepherds were talking to each other and minding their own business, watching the sheep for sacrifices, they had no idea what they were about to experience. But when they did, it says they were terrified, which, by the way, is the only biblical response to the presence of Jesus. The only response we ever see in in Scripture of seeing the physicality of God himself is terror because he's that good. That's pretty cool. That he would be so good we would be afraid of being in his presence. That somehow by seeing his goodness we would be so aware of our own shortcomings that we would be afraid to be in the presence of him. But they knew that they couldn't just stay there because now all of a sudden angels are talking to them saying, hey, we've got to go see this and this is how you're going to know. I would just venture to say there probably weren't too many babies being born in a cave that night. So chances are the crying would give it away. But just in case you missed it, she'll be laying him in a manger in strips of cloth. And so instead of staying where they were, they moved. They went to go see this sacrifice. The miracle was on the way. The miracle didn't happen because they stayed. The miracle was on the way to Jesus. Because not only did, not only did they see the miracle with their own eyes, but they told everybody about it. It says that the shepherds gave an account to all who could hear. So they were telling people all the time, everywhere they went, that Jesus was here, that the Messiah was here, and that they had seen uh, angels in their own life, like with their own eyes. And so not only was the miracle on the way, but I think 
there's an anticipation because we know, we know the end of this story. <laughs> we, we've read this a little bit. That Jesus grew up eventually and he lived a sinless life. He did a ton of miracles, more than seven. Thank you, Google. And then he died on a cross for our sins. So he killed sin. He became the sacrificial lamb that the shepherds left in the fields to go check out the new one. And then he did something crazy. He came again. Isn't that crazy? He rose from the dead to give us life. That's what we celebrate on Easter. I know this is Christmas, but hang on with me. There is another coming of Jesus because he says he went to be with the Father to prepare a place for you, to prepare a place for me. To make sure that there were, there were preparations ready for all of us to be with him. Because I told you, he's excited to be with us. And there is a day that is coming, and Lord, let it be soon, that he's coming again to see us. And this time, he's not coming as a baby. This time, it's not going to be a, a mystery to the shepherds in the field, which one is Jesus? The next time that Jesus comes, it's not going to be in one of these things. The next time we see Jesus, it won't be the bread of life in a bread holder. It will be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, kicking down the door saying, come on, I'm ready for you. Let's go. So I guess what I'm telling you is your miracle. Jesus, he's on his way. Not only is your miracle going to be found on the way, but our miracle is on the way. I believe this. Miracles happen when we step out in faith. Miracles very rarely happen when you just stand still and do nothing. In fact, it says that, that faith without works is dead, and the only way that miracles happen is by faith activating with what God has already spoken. So you can't stay still. You have to respond. You have to realize that your miracle is on the way to something. And I'm excited about 2022, guys. I'm believing that there is a miracle coming for us that we have no idea what it is yet. I'm believing that in response to what we gave a couple of weeks ago, God is going to honor our faithfulness and our generosity, and he's going to bless us with a building. I'm believing that he's going to honor us and bless us with more people coming to know him in 2022. And I'll be real with you, if I have to choose between setting up every week and souls, I, set up, let me set up every week. I'll, I'll, I'll set up every week by myself if it means that more people will come to know Jesus. But I'm believing that our miracle is on the way. That it's a both and. That not only can we see people's lives changed by the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, we're also going to see a building. I'm also believing that we're going to see miracles take place in our community because of the things that we are doing in response to who he is. I'm also, I, I take a lot of, of excitement in this. Our miracle is on the way. I keep reading these crazy news articles and I don't know about you, but Facebook puts like a little red tab that says breaking news, you know, breaking, like right now, breaking. And every morning I get up and I read like breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. I'm ready for regular news. I'm ready for like plain old vanilla news. But I can't wait. I cannot wait to read the article that says breaking news. 
By the way, I won't read it physically. I'll watch it. Breaking news. Hundreds of millions of people vanished. Breaking news. Did you hear that trumpet? Breaking news. Did you see the glory of the Lord? Because believe you me, even the ones who don't believe it are going to recognize it. You know how I know? It says, here it is. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid, for I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So he revealed himself to people who didn't even believe in him. He showed up in their workplace to say, I'm here. What are you going to do about it? Will you respond? And if you'll respond, your miracle is going to happen. It's going to be on the way. Because if we had the map back up, you don't have to put it back up, but if, you, if we had it up, miracles happen in Nazareth. A miracle happened in Bethlehem. A miracle happened in Gaza. A miracle happened in Egypt. A miracle happened in, in Galilee. Miracles were everywhere on that map. But you know what's really interesting? It never started and it never ended with a miracle. Which means your miracle is on the way and our miracle is on his way. That's what we're celebrating today. That's what we're celebrating this week. So enjoy your family. Enjoy presence. And maybe enjoy some rest. <laughs> but don't forget this. We've got to keep our eyes on what really, really matters. And that is the fact that our miracle is on its way. I love that we have nativity scenes to remind us of, of how he came. I love that we have songs that are sung about the, the engaging atmosphere of Christmas. But I'm excited to be at the feet of Jesus. Years ago, we were sitting at the, uh, the table in, in my parents' house, and we were sitting around the table asking after dinner, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? And I don't, I'll just be real with you, I don't remember my answer, but there were a couple of answers at the table, like, oh, I'm going to ask God about this crazy question I've had forever. Great. And my mom said, the first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is run to the feet of Jesus. She said, I'm going to do everything I can to find out where he's at. And I just want to be at his feet. And I'm so grateful that we don't have to worship him on a stone floor in a feeding trough because he's not seven pound, eight ounce baby Jesus anymore, guys. He is the creator of the world, Jesus. He is the king of kings, Jesus. He is the prince of peace, Jesus. He is the carrying the government on his shoulders, Jesus. That means these puny problems that we're dealing right now, Republican and Democrat, Libertarian, whatever you are, 
he's gonna have all of that on his shoulders like a toddler, and it's gonna make us look like childish babies. That's the Jesus that I wanna be with. That's the Jesus I choose to remember this Christmas. My miracle's on the way. We get to experience miracles together and and in and throughout uh, our lives, but our miracle is on his way. This morning, we're actually going to take communion together, and uh, I'd love it if we could hand those out. And hey, if you're watching online and want to participate with us, I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds. uh, Maybe get up and grab some bread or juice or anything that can be used as a symbol, because really we believe that these are are symbols, right? These aren't... uh, well, we'll get into it in a minute. I, I, don't, I know that this is not a normal thing for uh, churches to do on the Christmas uh, service. But I realized something last year that as we were, as we were celebrating Christmas Eve together, um, this is the first place that we got to interact with the flesh of God. That for just a second, if you can think about it, like I'm looking at, at baby Jackson in the back, there was a moment where Jesus looked like Jackson. That really, there was a moment that the shepherds might have even held all of heaven's power, all of heaven's glory in their hands. This is the first place that we got to interact with his body. This is the first place that we saw his blood. And yes, we believe that that these are symbols. We don't believe that they turn to the body and turn to the flesh. But what we do believe is Jesus himself gave these elements to us. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. So if you can, (laughs) open up the, uh, the top little layer here and join with us. Um... Very carefully. We're going to fast forward from the Christmas story to the Last Supper. This is where he sat with his 12 disciples and they celebrated the Seder meal together. But then it said after supper, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he handed it to the disciples and he said take this and eat it for this is my body that was sacrificed for you or that will be and I just I can't even imagine these guys would have known Jesus all of their life or at least have heard about his miracles from the trough So could you imagine hearing the Christmas story, the presence, the glory of the Lord shown all around them, and here they are sitting in the presence of the Lord, and he hands them this and says, my body that I came here with is going to be destroyed. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. And in the same way, he took a cup of wine. Don't worry, 
We're not serving wine. Or maybe bummer, we're not serving wine. I don't know. Here's the, uh, here's the significance, though. He said, this is my blood. The only way a sacrifice is counted worthy is if there's blood. The shepherds in the field, they were watching sheep that had to be slaughtered on an altar. And I don't mean to get graphic, but it doesn't count if there's no blood. And he said, this is my blood that's shed for you. This is what will cover all of your sin. My body was sacrificed. My blood washes. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so, Father, I, I thank you for the bread. I thank you for the cup. That means so much to us, even on Christmas, that you would come and die for us so that we could be with you. But God, I pray that you would help us understand that it is because of your blood that our miracles are on the way. And as we take this cup, I pray that you would help us keep us focused on what you're doing. Let's take the cup together. There is a promise that Jesus says, <clears throat> I'll do this again when we're all together. That he'll take communion with us when we're all together. There's going to be at least one more time after we go to heaven that Jesus will sit down and break the bread and he'll hand it to each one of us and he'll hand us a glass. And I can't wait to be there in that moment because he'll be able to remind us one more time, this is what I did for you. But it started here. Communion started there. Healing started there. Restoration started there. Your miracle started there. But your miracle is on its way. And so, Father, I pray that as we go about our week and we engage in all of the festivities and celebrations. Really, we're celebrating you and your birth. But God, I pray that you'd help us realize that you are our miracle and that you are coming again. And so, Father, I pray that there are those who, who may not have their hearts right with you. God, I pray that you would help them get their hearts right with you. We want to be in right alignment with you. We want to be in step with your Holy Spirit so that when you come back, we are ready. But then, Father, I pray that as we are obedient to the call that you have on our lives, that you would bless us, that you would go before us and prepare miracles on the way for us to step into. Father, I'm so grateful for the sacrifice that you made not just the one on the cross, but God, even coming in a cave. I'm grateful for what you've done. I'm grateful for what you are doing in and through this church. We give you all the honor and all the praise. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. Hey, I know that uh, you've got a lot going on this next week, but I don't want you to forget that your miracle is on the way. I don't want you to forget why we're doing what we're doing this week. Don't, 
don't forget it. It's so important, guys. And, and I hope that someday my life story kind of reads like what the shepherds said, that they told everyone they came in contact with about the goodness of God, about the glory of God. Now, one of the things that I, I think as a church we've got to work on in 2022, uh, because by the way, this is the last in-person meeting for 2021. Next week, we're all going to be online, and I pray that you would watch with us. Please watch with us, share this with your, with your friends and your family. I think it's going to be a really cool, really impactful way to share the gospel, and it doesn't cost you anything but a click. But one of the things that we're going to do in 2022 is we're going to start the year off in prayer and fasting together. Now, some of you are saying like, oh, fasting, I've heard about that. That means starving. Calm down. It's going to be okay. But it is a biblical, spiritual discipline that I believe yields a reward in our personal lives with Christ. And so I want to challenge you. We're going to start on January 2nd. And we're going to go till the 23rd. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, I believe this. Biblical fasting is giving up food. Period. There's not a case in the Bible where they decided to give up Facebook for 21 days. There's not a case in the Bible where they chose to give up their favorite Starbucks drink and that was it. It was a total loss of food. I'm not asking you to give up 21 days of food. But what I am asking for is all of us to participate one day a week in giving up food. One day a week. Now, for some of you, this is going to be new and it's going to be challenging. Others of you, you've done this before and it's not as hard as you thought it would be years ago. But here's what I'm calling you to do. Take time every single day. Maybe, maybe we're going to give up one meal every day. Maybe you're going to give up something else in your life, and, and that's okay. But I'm asking, as your pastor, one day every week of the three weeks that we're doing this, please fast with us. The easiest way to do it that I know is eat dinner and then go until the next dinner. Okay? You don't have to go to bed hungry. You just ate dinner. You're totally fine. You can, you can make it through. But when you are fasting, pray. Giving up food for the sake of giving up food is not beneficial, I'll say. Giving up food for the purpose of hearing God is. And so if you'll spend the time that you would normally spend eating in prayer, and if throughout the day when you feel the hunger pangs, you will pray and say, God, I need to hear more from you. I believe it's going to lead to maturity in our church. We got to see your hearts through the Heart for the House offering. And I am so excited about what God is doing through that offering, which by the way, if you want to still give to that, you totally can. The, the option is open until December 31st. And if you have any year-end giving, please make sure that everything is in by the 31st if you want it for the tax credit and stuff like that. That's all I'll say about that. I, I saw some of your hearts. I believe God saw your hearts. And now we're going to take a step into maturity. Now we're going a step deeper. We're not just going to give of our finances. Now we're going to say we're going to give of ourselves. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want from us. And I'm believing that God's going to speak to every single one of us. Not only that, I'm believing that he's going to act on behalf of our church for the miracles that we are praying for. Amen? Cool. Uh, you'll hear more next week about the, um, the fast, but I, I, I would just love it if you'd partner with us January 2nd through the 23rd. We're going to start the year off right, and we're going to pray. 
and we're going to take one day a week, and I'm not going to delegate one day a week, uh, but if you would just commit to one day a week, I'm not going to have food, and I'm going to pray. We'll send out a little card that has some things for you to pray for uh, and, and keep, you, keep you on track that way. But um, I want to thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to make church a priority. I believe God's going to bless it. And I believe that God's going to bless you because of your participation here with us and what you're doing in our community. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray over you. We're going to get out of here. Father, I pray that the presence of Jesus would rest and settle on every single person. Our online family, our in-person family, the family who are already out at the coffee table, God, I pray your blessing on them. That, Father, your favor would chase them down, would pursue them relentlessly. And Father, as we celebrate your birthday, God, would you be honored and glorified in everything that we do and say this week. God, we love you and we praise you. And it's your name we pray. We all said together, amen. Amen. Hey, I say this a lot here, but I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. Thank you for being here. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you online next Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.